Hello and welcome to another coronavirus special episode of Freelance Party Broadcast. I'm Faye and this is Jess. Hiya. And you are listening to the podcast of Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers. Today we are talking to Deborah Bullcock, who's a coach and author of Have It All Without Burning Out, about avoiding the feeling of burnout. Jess, is this something that you felt during lockdown? Yeah, I think burnout is one of those things that creeps up on you. Like you just feel really busy or stressed and then it kind of hits you that you're completely exhausted. I'm really excited to chat to Deborah today because she sent me a copy of her book to read and it's stuck in the office because it didn't make it out with me when we did the whole evacuation before lockdown. Deborah, could we start with you telling our listeners who you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely, of course I can. So it's lovely to meet you both. Thank you for inviting me on. So yeah, so my name's Deborah Bullcock and I work these days as a coach with professionals to really help them thrive in life and either prevent burnout or recover from burnout. And so burnout is a really central theme in what I do. And I work with both individuals on a private basis and I also help companies I really look after their teams well and enable them to perform in the workplace too. So what is burnout and how is it different to stress or maybe a sign of something more serious? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because people talk about burnout a lot now. That phrase is used a lot. Um, And actually, burnout is really a consequence of extreme and chronic stress for quite a period of time. So we can, you know, maybe have a really short period where we're feeling some stress and we get exhausted and maybe we take a weekend to recuperate. And we're back on fire again to do what we need to do. Burnout is quite a bit more serious than that. So usually burnout happens when someone's been experiencing like high levels of stress for a long period of time. And that can have been years, you know, where people have been trying to get themselves back on track and feeling better. And they get these little improvements, but then they carry on the way that they were. And burnout is quite um, a physical and emotional condition and it can be very debilitating you know and I describe in in the book you know my personal experience with burnout back in 2012 you know and I physically couldn't move for several days before I could start then rehabilitating myself and thinking about how to lead life differently so because I've had a personal experience and I know other colleagues and friends who have and I've seen you know how serious it can be from an ill health point of view I'm super passionate about it Could you touch on a little bit about what your personal experience of burnout was and how you managed to recover from that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I guess to tell that that story, and I'll do it, you know, in in a summary way, but I have to go quite a way back because, like I say, it doesn't really just happen overnight. So I started my work in financial services. So I worked in kind of some of the big corporates in financial services. And, you know, I performed really well. I enjoyed what I was doing. I was promoted quite quickly. So I had all of these good things, but I was someone who absolutely gave it my all. So I was working really hard and working all hours. And I was also living life to the max outside of that. And that went on for a number of years. And I'll be um, a bit older than kind of the people who are probably listening to this. But during, I'd say during my 20s and into my early 30s, that's how I was living. And it was only after quite a number of years of living that way that I started to feel that I'd describe it like, oh, actually, I can't go out this evening. You know, normally I'd go and do this in an evening after work. Actually, I haven't got enough energy left for that. And then 
weekends I wouldn't really want to do something and then a holiday you know when you had the privilege of a holiday it just became nothing but recovery and that becomes your norm then and you keep on going like that and then ultimately it just because I didn't change the way I was living or the way I was looking after myself that just built and built and built till it got a point of my body just saying that's it no more you have to slow down now and this is how we're going to do it so some really strong messages so obviously our listeners are freelancers and, and you mm-hmm. touched on before we started recording that you were a, a freelancer in this corporate setting. Yeah. I wonder if you think that burnout can affect freelancers differently to those who are in employment due to the different way of working. I think there's definitely different pressures. I do come at things from an angle that everyone's an individual, everyone's different. You know, we all view the world differently, but there's no doubt in my mind that the context in which you work can absolutely you know, make a difference. So when you're a freelancer, there's more uncertainty. There's more of a hustle that goes on with you, you know, needing to find your work on quite a continuous basis, not having the same level of security that can often accompany an employed position. You know, so there's, there's different pressures, aren't there, when you're a freelancer? And I absolutely think that can act as a stressor. Now, interestingly, some people will thrive on that. Well, some people will absolutely thrive on that being their reality and other people will find it quite stressful and respond differently. You know, the trick for me with thinking about stress and burnout is knowing, you know, tuning into what's right for you. You know, what kind of environment, working practice, you know, support, all of those things, what's right for you that helps you thrive rather than feel really stressed all of the time. Do you think that lockdown has also made things worse in terms of burnout? It'd be interesting also to get both of your personal perspective on this. I am still, you know, working through lockdown. I'm fortunate that my work has continued. I'm finding the answer to that question very different for different people. So I think if we think about people who are freelancers or, you know, self-employed in general and what lockdown has meant. So for some people, it's obviously meant they can't work at all. You know, we know when we are freelancers or contractors, if you're working for any organisation, you're probably the first cost to be cut when things get really tight. You know, so there's probably people who are pulling that out. But actually, some people are enjoying lockdown as well. So for those people who's you know, might still have work coming in and continuing and they no longer have to commute and things like that, that's actually making it easier for them. So I'm actually finding a real difference in, even in similar groups of people, some people who are saying lockdown's making things really challenging and a lot more stressful and others who are saying, I like it like this. I don't want it to go back to what it was like before. And there's obviously other factors that come into play in that, isn't there? You know, whether people have got children at home at the same time as needing to do their work as well. Absolutely. Because, I mean, at the beginning of lockdown, I did find it really hard because I'm so used to having my office set up where I've got like my two screens. And that for me was a big adjustment because I was so used to having like the tasks that would take a long time for me now would be done so much quicker there. And I used to stress myself out so much. But then it's just a matter of kind of reminding yourself that if you can't control it, there's no point stressing out about it. So now I've kind of fallen into the routine and I'm taking in the positives of working from home, 
like the extra like five minutes that you can stay in well not five minutes that you stay in bed a whole commute journey of staying in bed and things like that so it is interesting like hearing what you're saying about burnout because I feel like a lot of people at the beginning must have really felt it and I'm sure a lot of people now would still be feeling it but you kind of ease yourself out of it almost those who have children at the minute it must be so much harder like I'm I'm lucky I just live with my boyfriend but if you've got kids then I just yeah I can't really imagine it when you're trying to work and you have mouths to feed and you have people asking for a snack 24 7 or needing constant entertainment and all that guilt yeah I think for a lot of people they'll leave this lockdown feeling like they can't wait for the schools to reopen and you know we'll just want a holiday (laughs) and we'll deserve one you know that's a really good point you raise and also you know you just mentioning holidays then it's another interesting thing because obviously people who are employed and people who are freelancers view holidays very differently don't they mm. as well you know if you've got a holiday entitlement that you feel like you're being paid for it's very different and another thing that I'm noticing during this particular period is that even if people had a holiday booked in the mindset tends to have been well I can't go away I'm at home, so I might as well carry on working, you know, rather than take a holiday. And because lockdown, you know, as we're speaking today, we're in about week 10 or week 11 of lockdown. You know, we're in this for the long haul, aren't we? And as a result, we really need to encourage ourselves to be taking some time out rather than just that continuous keep working. So we're just going to have to view holidays in a slightly different way as well. Yeah, I think a lot of freelancers don't take holiday obviously because you're not paid for it when time equals money it's very hard I think that's a really good point that you raise that for freelancers there isn't the incentive to take holiday that there is with employees so they don't take holidays in fact Ipsy uh, released a report last year about freelancers taking time off and it found that some freelancers just didn't take any time off in the last year and that's so scary when you think about it that they don't fit in a position where they can and that must contribute to feeling burnt out I absolutely agree I mean I'm obviously self-employed in a kind of a different capacity but it is just me in my business and I can totally agree that it's very hard to switch off you know when the provision of your services is your income so if you're taking some time off you're obviously not going to be earning it is a real mindset shift to think about taking a break and if people don't feel they can take a break you know my recommendation is always to start with some small steps you know and that's making sure that your your body and your mind has some time to recuperate you know has some downtime there's lots of things that are happening in our brain and in our body physiologically when we're resting and it's really critical for preventing things like burnout or other areas of ill health as well so even if We don't feel like we can take a week off, making sure that you're getting really good quality sleep or making sure that you're having a good amount of downtime at the weekends is a really powerful first step to be taking. When you talk about burnout, I just want to make sure I understand it because you've said about it being like a a long process. So is it different to how people tend to use the phrase now of, oh, I feel burnt out? Do you see burnout as something that actually is more like a a longer term thing so I do it's it's an interesting one is burnout so burnout was recognized by the World Health Organization in 
May 2019, actually. So it's relatively fresh as being considered like a, a medical term, if you will. And it's still not considered a condition in its own right in the UK. It's considered, you know, a, a group of factors like fatigue and overwhelm and some anxiety that goes with that. So I do think the words stress and burnout are used more regularly than they would have been otherwise. And I think people use the phrase burnout to indicate that they're feeling tired and exhausted and they need some rest. My experience, and you know, I've done hundreds of interviews on the subject of burnout with different people, and it really is something that builds up over quite a period of time to a point where you have a really debilitating impact. So it's certainly not something you can recover from in a weekend. Uh, my burnout recovery, and I took really extreme measures, like I stopped working. I did a whole load of, of different things to change my lifestyle. It took me about six months. So there's, there's different levels of it. But I think if someone is saying that they're feeling burnt out, we shouldn't dismiss that. You know, they're feeling burnt out. They're feeling probably more exhausted than they ever have. And as a result, they're probably asking for support indirectly. And there are some things that they can do to help themselves. That's actually my next question is what are the best ways to combat those feelings? And I, I do want to be careful because if, if we're talking about kind of a longer term thing, it's more serious. But what are the best ways of, to combat those feelings of intense exhaustion that some of us do experience from time to time? Yeah, and I've no doubt that, you know, from what you've described, that people will be having that real sense of, of fatigue. And I think the first thing for me is always just to really like, know how you're feeling. We have a tendency, don't we, and particularly like in the self-employed market where we just push on through. So we tend to ignore what our body's telling us because we've just got to get the job done. Yeah. So we just push on through those feelings and that's really common. I still do that even though I've had my experience. You know, some of us have just got those tendencies that we want to achieve and keep pushing forward. So I think the first thing is just recognizing what your body's telling you. There's real techniques behind that in kind of just really understanding what you're feeling in your body and what that's telling you. And then other steps for me are very much around, you know, I'm a nutritional therapist as well. So I've, I've got that qualification. So a lot of the things that I talk about very much come from a health and well-being aspect. But I really believe that taking care of your health in a way that's right for you, so not a way that's right for your best friend or for your your parents or your brother or sister, like the way that's right for you, the things that make you feel great. And that's a real key focus in my book is about how do we proactively, you know, when we are feeling our best, how do we make sure that we're building resilience so that we can cope with those really stressful times? What I do in the book is I share about, there's probably 30 something different things that we can look at, you know, ranging from, you know, it might be the basics of nutrition and movement and sleep and how do we rest right through to you know thinking about things like meditation and mindfulness and what's your working environment like and who are the people that you surround yourself with so I cover a whole set of things but I treat it like a menu I just say all of these things are not right for everybody and actually if we were to try and attempt all of those things it would be overwhelming in itself so just really trying to work out the things that are absolutely right for you so what sort of role does nutrition play when avoiding burnout? So the thing for me is if we think of our body and mind at the end of the day as you know, our vehicle for enjoying life, getting the best out of life and achieving all we want to, 
we've got to fuel it in a certain way. I'm not just talking about food. I'm talking about, you know, the environment that we find ourselves in, you know, what we do feed ourselves, but also how we do that. So do we do it in a way that we absolutely love it? You know, we really get some nourishment from it. Thinking about the people that we spend our time with, the work that we do, and whether that's fulfilling to us or whether that's a stressor to us. Kind of the different connections that we have with people, places, pets even. I take a very holistic view of what's everything that's going on and is it nourishing you? Is it really helping and nourishing you? And if it is, that will be helping you to build resilience. That will then be helping you to manage stressors in your life. So for me, it's quite a simple way of looking at things. But, you know, when I was pushing it so hard, I just felt like I was healthy. I felt like I would recover. And I look back now and feel like there was a little bit of a sense of arrogance, you know, just purely through not understanding, you know, that my body, given what I was putting it through, needed more to recover. Absolutely. In terms of that, I mean, like you've spoken about nutrition, you spoke about like the environment. You've said that it is a tailor package to every different person. But is there anything that you can suggest that people can do to just avoid burnout? Yeah, so I would... So even though I'm a nutritional therapist, the thing that goes at the top of my list when it comes to well-being and resilience is sleep. You know, I guess we're, we're not going out to bars at night and things like that. We are in our homes. So we've got a really great opportunity to make sure we're getting the best night's sleep that we possibly can. Because there are so many things that happen when we are asleep. You know, we think it's quite an inactive process, but really there's loads going on. And without all of those different processes completing whilst we're asleep, it just starts to really affect how our health, our resilience, you know, our concentration and focus. I would definitely talk about having fun, you know, as much as you can. So things like laughter and connection and, you know, doing things that bring you real joy actually influence physiologically what's going on in us you know so there's a hormonal influence associated with all of those things and they don't only just give us a feel-good factor they contribute to our immune system and our overall health and they'll also help us sleep better so many interconnections you know so the sleep side of things the fun side of things and then the thing that's probably most difficult at this particular point which is during lockdown is connection So most of us, not absolutely everybody, but most of us crave that real human connection. And we get so much from that if we're surrounding ourselves with the right people. And that's obviously really tricky right now, isn't it? So as we're speaking today and recording this, we've just heard announcements of some of the restrictions being lifted a little bit and, you know, still in a restricted way, but people can start seeing more people in outside spaces. And I do think that will really benefit people. Things like video conference and using technology has obviously been a saviour for many people, but we all know it's not the same as seeing people face to face. So honestly, I know we're talking about stress and burnout, and you probably wouldn't expect me to go to places like that. But I think if people can get a really good night's sleep, make sure they're having plenty of fun and have some good connection, those would be my top three. That's really interesting. We we actually have a podcast episode with a sleep consultant who talks about ways of improving your sleep. And that was a really interesting podcast to record because 
basically everything that Faye and I said we thought we were doing well he was like nope that's not a good idea stop doing that it was <laughs> so it's definitely worth listening to if you're listening to this and thinking that you want to improve your sleep we now have some questions sent in from freelancers firstly Sam asks I'm always aware that there is something I could be doing for my freelance business and this is a massive factor that leads me to feeling burnt out do you have any advice for working more efficiently to stop these feelings creeping in? That's really tricky, isn't it? Because when we're self-employed, we've always got ideas not going on. So I'm not sure there's a magic wand solution for that. But the thing that's really important is finding ways to separate your work time from your leisure time. And I do think that's harder at this point in time in lockdown because it's all just merging into one because we're in the same environment all of the time. So I think my first suggestion would be just to check, you know, how you start the day and how you finish your work day. And then also just having a way of really easily capturing those ideas and then switching off from it. And um, so if that's, you know, doing a voice note on your phone or writing something down, like capture it, acknowledge it, thank your mind for thinking of that, and then hopefully move on. I know all this sounds a lot easier than it is in reality, but it's kind of a mindset thing, isn't it, to think about how do I make sure I give myself and I really invest in that downtime that I need to then be able to perform really well in my business. Definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. And the next question that we had kind of runs into that as well. This one's from Tommy and he asks, now I'm working from home all the time. I find it difficult to switch off in the evenings. So do you have any tips on this? It's really interesting that you asked that because I would say I've probably had six or seven conversations this week about the very same subject. So people are definitely feeling it. Now I've worked at home for years. So the actual working at home thing is something I'm quite experienced in for myself. But I can also share lots of ideas that other people have been sharing too. So the key for me is trying as much as possible have this kind of clear distinction between when I'm at work and when I'm not at work. We already know that's harder for a freelancer anyway. But that might be, you know, if you're working at home, when is your laptop out versus when it's away? So if you're someone who leaves all your kit out overnight and that's in your eye line, you know, whilst... You should be relaxing with your partner or, you know, having your evening meal. It's always going to be reminding you, you know, you're subconsciously picking up that work is still there. But what I'm finding really interesting is that, so I, I have done this for a long time because it helps me, but people are finding their own ways of doing it, is finding a way to mark that it's the end of your working day. So for some people, they're saying, you know, I used to have a 20 minute commute. So when I close my laptop and put it away, I'm actually going for a walk for 20 minutes before I come back to the house. It's like just trying to have a commute in some way. So somehow closing it down, putting it away, whether that's closing a door on a room, putting your laptop away, putting your papers away, whatever that might be. But then doing something that just shifts your mindset. So whether that's loud music, listening to a podcast, going outside for a few minutes, having a drink of some sort, calling somebody to talk about something non-work related. For me, there's something about doing something that marks the end of your workday and shifts your mindset from one to the other. And it's even more important right now um, to be doing that. I don't know if that will help, Tommy, but that's what I'm finding is working for my clients at the moment. 
I think that's so, so useful because I work on the kitchen table here because I don't have an office. And I find that then when I start to make dinner, my laptop is still in sight. And I think I'll just check my emails while I wait for something to cook. And then it ends up burnt. Or so, you know, I just constantly that thing of, well, I'll just check. I'll, like I'm finding I'm working well past five o'clock most days because I'm just constantly thinking, well, I can get that done. And well, I might as well because there's nothing else to do. So I might as well just do that. So I think that's something that I really need to take into account is just, right, put your laptop down, put it away, and go. Faye's nodding her head <laughs> aggressively. I get emails from Jess at like 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, and I'm like, why are you working? Stop. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely something I need to work on, and I feel like I've got a better idea of how to do that now. And let's remember here that when we're a freelancer, not always, but often that's by choice, isn't it? We've chosen that way, you know, of doing some work. And the benefit of being a freelancer is you are your own boss and you've got some flexibility. I always say to people, you know, it's okay if you want to work at 10 o'clock at night, because that's when you're at your best. That's absolutely fine. As long as it's not at the end of a 12 hour day already. For me, everyone, again, everyone's different. And you know, finding a working pattern that works for you normally and a working pattern that works for you during lockdown, given your individual circumstances, that's all okay. And if you're working with other people, communicating what that looks like, you know, what's best for you so that there's no assumptions around it, that can also be really helpful. I'm, I'm a fan of saying, like, don't give yourself a hard time if you're working differently right now. But do keep a track on how much you're on, like how much your mind is on at work versus you know, how much you're spending off work. And that might look different from a working pattern point of view right now. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. You know, it's finding out what works for you. I might start tracking it then. Is that a good idea to kind of think, right, I've worked these hours. You know, is that a good idea to track how much you're um, working? Well, it's, it's a hard one to say, is it a good idea or not? Because if you think it will help you, then I'd say, yes, it's a good idea. If you feel that tracking your hours will actually act as a stressor, I'd say don't bother. So it might be that you want to do that for a week, for example, to give you awareness, but not necessarily for it to rule your life. Okay. And that's one of the key things. So kind of create some awareness for yourself. But I'd probably suggest more that you tune into how you're feeling. You know, are you feeling energized? Are you feeling as though you can concentrate and focus? Are you feeling productive? You know, and if the answer to those things is on the negative, then you know you probably need to do something differently. Honestly, this has been a really interesting podcast. I just want to repeat the name of your book. It's called Have It All Without Burning Out. And where can people pick up a copy of this book? Could you get it online? Uh, yeah, so you can pick it up at Amazon, paperback and in Kindle. And you can also go to com, where all the information is on there as well. Right. Well, we'll put a link in the show notes below and on Freelance Corner. So if you're listening to this and want to pick up a copy, then that's where you'll find it. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for this episode. You'll be able to find a lot of information in the show notes below and on Freelance Corner. Thanks for listening to Freelance Party Broadcast. You can join Freelance Corner, the online platform for UK's freelancers, at freelancecorner.co.uk. Subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or on any other podcast platform. As you may know, Freelance Corner offers support packages for freelancers with a number of perks. We have a load of content around mental health and avoiding burnout, which you can find on the bulletin tab on the website. Find out more about our packs there too, for the risk producers to give you peace of mind. 
such as up to £2,000 in cover if you were ill for three or more weeks, subject to terms and conditions. Please like, share and leave us a review and let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time. Listeners, please stay safe at home and thank you so much for joining us, Deborah. Well, thank you for having me. It's been wonderful chatting to you. I've really enjoyed it.